Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning, we are resuming our study in the gospel according to Matthew. We're ready for chapter 20. Now, chapter 20 deals with the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Now, for the next few weeks, we'll be coming across many parables in the book of Matthew. They all have to do with one thing, the kingdom of God. What Jesus is doing is he's creating an illustration to make it easier for you to understand how the kingdom of God works. He's essentially saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like this short story. And then he tells the story. Often you'll see the Pharisees and people being upset because they know that many times it's about them. It's important to remember context, of course. This parable is coming right off the back of what happened with the rich young ruler. And then Peter's like, who, then who could possibly be saved? And, and Jesus ends chapter 19 with the phrase... But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Completely counter and backwards to how human thinking works. But that's what he says. This parable is going to end with a similar phrase, uh, with something a little extra on there that's going to definitely keep people pondering and has made theologians ponder, of course. And that is this, so the last shall be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. So with that backdrop, let's have a look at Matthew chapter 20. Again, let's put down our pet doctrines and all the ways that we think that we're supposed to think, and just let the scriptures say what they say. Matthew chapter 20, King James Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. For the kingdom of God is like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and he found others standing idle. And he saith unto them, Why stand you here all the day idle? And they say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatever is right, that shall you receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his stewards, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last to the first. And when they came out, they hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. 
When they received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal to us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did not thou agree with me for one penny? Take that as thine, and go thy way. I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thy eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few are chosen. So let's go back through. So obviously the kingdom of heaven is like onto is like this vineyard owner. And he's looking for laborers, right? So obviously so it's this isn't hard to understand. Um God would be the vineyard owner. He's looking for people to do work for the kingdom. And here's the first part. When he finds the first group, they agree to work for the one penny, right? They're fine with that. It's a fair wage. But then he goes out in the middle of the day, finds some more, hires them, and then he goes out with only an hour left, and he finds them. Now, there's several, where there's a couple of ways this is being interpreted. First, if you read commentaries, especially old ones, the first part is that they th- that the thought is this is talking about Israel versus the church, you know, the seed of Abraham, the literal genetic seed of Abraham was called first and then the church, the Gentiles who would believe upon Jesus for the same inheritance, right, to be the children of God. So there's that instance. There's also practical instances here. Some of us may have been serving God since we were little kids. There may be those who come to the saving grace, the saving faith, hours before death. The thief on the cross had just a few moments, didn't he? And he was joining Christ in paradise. That's the first part that I think is important for us to acknowledge. Another point to acknowledge is that it all belongs to God and he has the right to do as he pleases with what is his. He can pay and reward however he wants. He has the right to do that. And we shouldn't see a brother or sister who might be blessed more, let's say, in this world even. Maybe they haven't even been doing the work as long as you have. We shouldn't look at them and be like, this isn't fair. I think about... You know, one of my dreams, I'll just be real raw and authentic here. I had hoped that by this point, 
after I've been doing this for 10 years, going on 11, I've done not only the work of the podcast, but the hours and hours I spend every week studying the Bible. I've got the, 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 theo, the theology degree. I've got the biblical Hebrew background. I've, I've done all this work. And I kind of had hoped that at this point, God would have made a way that this is what I do with my life for a living. Instead of having to get up at, you know, while it's still dark to do this work and then go to a day job and do all the things that everybody else has to do. And there's been people who've, who've, who've started up and they've started doing similar things to what I'm doing maybe only four years ago five years ago they've they've and it's blown up for them there's a temptation in that situation for me to go well that's not fair god why do they get to do it this way or that way or but instead the proper attitude would be to be happy for the brother and sister who's being blessed by God because he has called us all to and he has determined these things by his own grace and his own authority. He says, is it not lawful for me to do will with my own? Like, is your eye evil because I am good? So there's that aspect too that I think we can pull from this parable. It all belongs to him, and he is able to distribute how he sees fit. And did we not agree when we were called to the faith to work for the kingdom of God? Some of us will do it for 70 years. Some may do it for two weeks. The inheritance in the sense that you inherit eternal salvation is the same. Obviously, there is gifts and rewards. That's a whole other teaching that we're not going to do today. Last thing I want to jump on, that last verse before we move forward here. That last verse says, So the last shall be first, and the first be last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Now, you'll notice that in some of your modern Bibles, that part is conveniently missing. And, of course, some of your Bibles will have a little margin saying, well, this verse isn't in the oldest manuscripts. Here's my response to that. They're not found in the handful of Gnostic manuscripts that were discovered that are, quote-unquote, supposedly older. But it is found in the bulk of the manuscripts that have been found. It's also found these verses that are missing out of these New Age Bibles are also found quoted by the church fathers who come long before those manuscripts that they're citing. So, yeah, we're not going to buy into that nonsense. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, pending your pet doctrines, you're going to view this a certain way. I'm just going to view it how he says it, and I'm going to read you two commentaries. You can agree or disagree. Here's what John Wesley says. He says, so the first, so the last shall be first and the first last, not only with regard to the Jews and Gentiles, but in a thousand other instances. Him and I are in agreement about that. That's what we just talked about. 
for this last part, he says this. For many are called. Here's his response. All who hear the gospel, but the few who are chosen, only those who obey it. So everyone who hears the gospel, according to John Wesley's thought, everyone who hears it, which is a lot of people, the chosen are the few who actually receive it, who actually obey it. This other commentary Bible I have says this, for many be called, but few are chosen. Many are called, here's the response, many are called, but only a few choose to heed the call. This won't be the last time you, Jesus, uses this phrase. There's another parable that we'll read in chapter 22 when we get to it. Um where he ends the parable with the exact same thing, but it's a completely different scenario, but it comes across with the same meaning. All right, that's enough time on the parable. Let's finish this chapter. We have Jesus foretelling his death, and then even though he said the first will be last, or the last will be first and the first will be last, we have James, John, and their mother coming to Jesus with a request that they would be on his right hand and his left hand, as if they've just completely didn't listen at all to the parable that was just told to them. Let's continue the story here. Verse 17. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee, children, with their sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in the kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Please note, he literally just said what was what that was going to be, right? That he was going to go up to Jerusalem and he was going to be betrayed by the chief priest and by the scribes and they were going to condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to be mocked and to be scourged and to be crucified. That's the cup that he's talking about. Listen to this response. And they say, so he says, are you able to drink the drink that I'm going to have to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to have to be baptized with? And they said unto him, we are able. They have no idea what they're saying. And then Jesus, because if they did... They would be freaking out about Jesus' next Jesus' response to that, which is, And he saith unto them, You shall drink indeed my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them whom it is prepared for by my Father. See, what they didn't know at this time is that they would actually have to drink the cup and be baptized with that baptism, meaning they were going to have to suffer for the kingdom of God. 
Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. It's, this is amazing that none of them seem to have listened to the parable. But Jesus called unto them and he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they were, would not hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called unto them, and he said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. And that, my friends, is our study in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. I prayed this morning that I would give it justice. I hope that I did. I hope that it's challenging you and piercing your hearts. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to approach the scriptures with the attitude that we've got it all figured out. You have to come to the scriptures with your heart open, your mind open, willing to receive, willing to be corrected. This is why I spend so much time complaining about pet doctrines, because if I come to this with a mindset, this is one of the things I did not like when I was getting a degree in biblical studies, was that it was all the doctrines that uh, the university, the seminary would push. You had to kind of look through those lenses, and when you wrote your papers, you had to write them through those lenses. The problem is, is when we put on those glasses, those lenses, those limitations, then we come to the scriptures and then we just read and reaffirm our belief rather than letting the scriptures teach and tell us what they actually say. We have people who have perverted the grace of God to an extent that's unconceivable for an example. And then they come to the epistles of John where he says, this is how you know that you love God. That you obey his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And, he, and, no, and he makes comments about, you know, God's children don't willfully and habitually sin. And people just like, well, that, because of my view on this, I, that can't be true. Well, good luck. Come to the scriptures with an open heart and with an open mind being will, and let it speak into you. Stop trying to limit God. Stop trying to limit the scriptures through your preconceived notions. Be malleable. Well, there's my rant. I'm sure I'll hear 
plenty of uh, good things about some of it, but this is this is what it is. And right now we're living in a time when it's never been more important to spread the gospel, the good news, and to teach Christian values and to teach righteousness and holiness. And if I have to stand alone as a result of that, then so be it. May the Lord's will be done. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. All right, that's enough. It's been a morning of rambling. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.